We walk through the Christmas season steeped in happiness. Under warm, glowing lights, gifts wrapped and labeled, pies and cookies prepared. But if we peer through all the extravaganza, we'll hear the soft cry of a shivering baby and feel the prick of divine joy. Our homes and streets are lit with ornaments of the season. But Jesus came to light up our souls. We long for joy every single day of the year. The kind of joy that still lingers when there's no light, when the gifts from the world have stopped and the music just sounds like noise. God gave us an unexpected joy that fills empty spaces and is easy to find if we're willing to look. It's a joy that crosses boundaries and breaks down walls, that finds the lonely on hilltops and the curious in faraway lands. It delights in arriving into unexpected places and circumstances, like a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. Let me, Lord, spread that kind of joy to the world. Amen. Stephanie's doing okay. She's got a great husband, three kids, loves her job. Things are going pretty good for Stephanie. She had to pick one word to define her week, though it'd be busy. She's busy. She wakes up in the morning and rushes to get the kids off to school, only to head to work herself. She works all day, and she likes her job. It's a pretty good job. I mean, it's, it's got its days, but whose job doesn't? You know what I mean? Overall, she enjoys it. She goes home, and it's just as busy in the evening. You got to make dinner. You got to do some chores. You got to get the kids off to soccer practice. There's always a dance rehearsal to go to. There's always a band recital. And she hopes, beyond all hopes, maybe to just get 30 minutes at the end of the day to watch some Netflix and eat some chocolate fudge ice cream. Sounds good to me. Weekends aren't much better. Busy too, because there's chores to be done. There's laundry there's groceries to buy, lots of things that need to be done. There's kids' sports and league play that they have to do, and, and, and maybe, just maybe, they can carve out some time as a couple to go out on a date or because, you know what, they've got another one with friends. Weekends are busy, too. Stephanie's life is busy. But can I let you in on a secret? She's happy. She's happy. I mean, for the most part, you know, she's paying the bills. Got two cars out in the driveway, live in a nice house. She's happy. But can I ask a difficult question today? Is it possible to be happy but completely lack joy? You ever thought about that? Is it possible for you to be happy but lacking in joy? See, growing in Stephanie's life is this uneasiness behind the scenes. That something's not right. But like so many of us, 
She's paying the bills. Got her health. There really aren't any worries for the most part. I mean, we all got our ups and downs, but for the most part, things are going well. She's happy. Now, the question we often ask at the holidays is we like to say, can you find joy in suffering? And in years past, we've talked about that. Can can you find joy in any circumstance, including suffering? And we said, yes, we absolutely believe that you can find joy in suffering. But I want to ask a different question today. Can you find joy in your happiness? Is it possible they're two very different things? And a point of clarity real quick before we dive in. I have no problem with happiness. This is not a rebuttal against happiness. In fact, I hope and wish and pray that you experience happiness and comfort in your life. But for a spoiler alert, I'll just let you know ahead of time what we're going to discover is that happiness and comfort don't always lead to joy. The road to happiness and comfort starts with joy. And there are many of us out there who've put the cart before the horse. We seek happiness when what we really need is joy in our lives. And so let's jump in today and discover what is biblical joy? What does the Bible have to say about it? And is this something you have in your life? Now, in the past few weeks, I've had some folks come up and say, Jason, you haven't really had any fill-ins here recently, and I kind of like your fill-ins. So if that's been you, man, you have lucked out. You are in the right week this week. Pull out your worship guide. I got your fill-ins this week for you. In fact, I'd like everybody to pull out your worship guide. And the reason why is I'm going to go very fast this morning with a lot of the points and I would like you to promise me that you're going to go back later this week find some quiet time and reflect on what we talk about today so that you can ask yourself do I have joy in my life so buckle up here we go all right first thing I want to talk about are what are some possible joy killers in our lives what are what are some of the things in our lives that that can rob us of our joy The first one is this. We've talked about it a little bit already. It's busyness. Busyness can rob us of our joy. It's a trap we get in. We get get caught up in the rat race just watching, you know, and running from one fire to the next. We call it the tyranny of the urgent sometimes. It's a trap you get into. And instead of taking deliberate moments to stop and rest in Christ, we get in this cycle that can be very difficult to get out of. But so that you don't let busyness ruin your joy, you have to deliberately take moments of rest. You see, in our busyness, you you know this happens to you because it happens to me. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. You stop reflecting. And before you know it, you find yourself on a different path and wondering, how did I get here? Because you're trapped in the hectic chaos and noise of life. Don't let busyness rob you of your joy. Second one is this, entitlement. Entitlement can rob you of your joy. And entitlement is focused on what I deserve. And the problem is is we get in that entitlement mode of I deserve this, I have this coming to me, is it's all about me, and it takes our eyes off of him. We get concerned about satisfying my wants, needs, and desires, and we lose sight of what God wants in your life. In our entitlement, we turn our eyes 
inward. And we have to be careful because we'll find ourselves apart from joy when we live a life of entitlement. The third one is this. And this one's a big one. Shame. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? Who's staring back at you? Do you see a child of God who has been set free? Who has been beautifully and wonderfully made? Who has been forgiven? Do you see a redeemed person in the mirror who God loves very much? Or when you look in the mirror, do you see junk? Are you still being defined by your guilt and your mistakes and your pain in life? True joy basks in, marinades in the freedom that only comes through Jesus Christ that says your sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. That when you came to me, I killed off the old you. You can experience new life through Jesus Christ. And listen to me, my friend. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make junk. Reclaim your identity in Christ this holiday season because it's robbing you of your joy in all that you do. What's the next one? Greed. We all know greed. and What's at the core of greed? Greed's all about living in a pleasure quest. We're trying to satisfy our spiritual needs with earthly pleasures. It's a hole that we tried to fill with things and, and people and all things that betray us in the end rather than trying to fill that hole by the only thing that can fill that hole, and that is God. We seek out earthly pleasure. And the problem is, not only does this one take our eyes off of God, but in our greed, we take our eyes off of others. In our excess and our need to have more, we often fail to see how that may be affecting those around us. Maybe they are not receiving the blessing of your more. You know what I mean? What's the next one? Complacency. Another word for that very easily could just be apathy. You simply stop caring. You go numb. This one's dangerous. The opposite of love isn't hate. Did you know that? It's not. The opposite of love isn't hate. Hate's still a feeling. You're still feeling something. You know what the opposite of love is? It's when you go numb. It's when you no longer care. And you give up. You will lose your joy if that happens. And I want you to recapture those feelings, even the difficult ones, if you need to, don't stop feeling. Don't give up. The next one's this, control. Know any controllers in your life? Controllers see people and circumstances exist for them. They manipulate and massage their circumstances to get their desired outcome. They see other people as pawns in their chess game of life. But I'll let you in on a secret. Nobody wants to feel like a pawn in your chess game of life. 
And what happens when they feel that way is they push back, which only makes the controller dig down deeper and try harder. And it too is this vicious cycle you find yourself in of trying to control others, having them push back. They get angry, you get angry. How many of you have learned control is an illusion? People don't want to be controlled. And your incessant need to control others is a sin. It is the sin of the garden. I know what to do with this piece of fruit better than you do, God. I will be the captain of my own ship. I will determine my destiny. It will rob you of your joy. The next one, bitterness. This might be the biggest joy killer of them all. And what's at the root of bitterness? A lack of forgiveness. Is there somebody this holiday season you need to forgive that you have not forgiven? Is there something you need to let go of? Because if you don't, oh, you think you're punishing them, but you're really just drinking your own poison on this one. When you fail to forgive, it will take you down roads of cynicism, anger, revenge, and retaliation. And those four words couldn't be any more opposite than joy. Your failure to forgive will destroy the joy in your life. Who do you need to forgive? And the last one is regret. And regret involves many of the other ones we've already talked. That's why I put it at the bottom of the list. But it has at its core the idea of contentment. Are you discontented with your life? Because that can be like a death by paper cuts. I'm a little discontentment here, a little discontentment here, but they add up over time to be one big discontentment in your life. And so are there things that you're grumbling about? Is there just an overall discontentment? It will rob you of your joy. And you might say, Jason, are, are, are there more joy killers out there? And there are. This is kind of my short list for today. But as I think out there, what are some other things that can kill joy? Well, social media comes to mind pretty quick. 24-hour news comes to mind. And heaven forbid we talk about politics. Those three will take care of it. No problem whatsoever on that. But let's just switch gears for a moment and let's talk about what are some of the key differences between happiness and joy? Because I think we get these two terms mixed up or we use them interchangeably sometimes. So let's, let's just identify some key differences between these two terms so that you can kind of think through it in the coming week. Which one am I living in? First is this. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is contentment. And there's a big difference And because happiness is a feeling, there's a big problem associated with it, and you know this about feelings. When the feeling runs out, it goes away, or you ain't feeling it no more, you walk away. Contentment, on the other hand, says, I will be satisfied in what God has given me regardless of the circumstances. And I will work through this even in the difficult times. If necessary, I choose to be content. But if we live only by happiness as a feeling, when those feelings betray us or they go away, 
it is human nature to walk away. And how often have we seen that happen in our lives? The next one we've kind of talked about already, but I want to just go ahead and make it clear. Joy leads to happiness, but happiness does not always lead to joy. There's a difference between these two things. And we're going to talk about the definition of joy here in a minute so that we can fully understand what those differences are. But do understand this. You need to have joy if you want to truly experience happiness that comes from above. A heavenly, godly happiness first starts with a life lived out in joy. Next one is this. The search for happiness all too often is focused on us when joy focuses on him. When it's about us, as we've said, happiness is about satisfying my wants, my needs, and my desires. And any time we only focus on my wants, my needs, and desires, we lose sight of what God wants and what he desires for our life. And when we do that, we walk outside of the joy that he wants you to experience in life. Know this, that joy is not the absence of sorrow. It is being in the presence of Christ. The Bible reminds us time and time again, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And when we rest in Jesus' arms and he holds tight to us, in the good times, in the bad, then we realize there is a joy that can walk us through the good times and the bad, and therefore we can have joy in any circumstance. Because it's not resting on a feeling. It is based upon abiding. Are you resting in Jesus? And the last one is this. Happiness is a perception but joy is a discipline. It's a big difference. Now, you might ask, what, what's the difference here? And, and I always equate discipline with this. We've talked about this before. It's like, if you want to win a race, you've got to get out of bed, you've got to put the shoes on, you've got to go for a run, right? You can't just try to win on natural ability. You've got to work at it. You've got to work out. You've got to be diligent with it. You've got to do the work. Joy is the same way. You've got to work at it. It's like going to the gym at our house. You know, at times I'll say, hey, Christy, let's go to the gym. And i got to tell you, her first reaction isn't usually, praise the Lord, great idea, Jason. But I always tell her the same thing, and it drives her bananas. But I tell her every single time, what is it? You'll thank me later. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'll thank me later. And you know what? On the way out... Very often, that's exactly what happens. We'll be out in the parking lot, like, you're right, which husbands love to hear. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? The point being this. Because joy isn't a feeling, it is a choice. We choose to be joyful. And because it's a choice, it's a discipline. Like any muscle, you have to exercise it. You have to choose to be joyful. You have to choose to do it. Why? Well, you'll thank me later. That's why. You got to choose to do it. 
Now let's define joy for just a moment so that we have a healthy understanding of what biblical joy is all about. There's worldly joy, like many things in life, and then there's biblical joy. Let's understand what biblical joy is. And to do that, I need to look at three Greek words. And I get it right away. Someone's going, oh, Greek words, yay, uh, on that. But sometimes we have to actually look at the words, understand what they were saying to their original audience and what that means to us today. And so let's look at these three words to get a healthy understanding of what joy truly is. And I think you're going to be truly amazed by this. The first word is kara. And it appears over 60 times in the New Testament. In fact, we, we see this word in the nativity story as the angels are announcing to the shepherds about the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you've ever watched the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know the famous dialogue from Linus where he's explaining the story. And one of the verses that he talks about is what we look at today. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 10. And if you remember Linus, he said, And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. There's that word right there. Which shall be to all people. That Greek word is a combination of two words that come together to help us understand what it truly means. The first one is kairo, which means rejoicing. And the second one is karis, which means grace. Now look up here for just a moment if you could. Because if you take anything away today, this is it. What is joy? And quite simply, it is this. It is rejoicing in God's grace. And so let me ask you, how would it change your life if in everything you did, in every conversation you have, every experience you come across, how would it change your life if you chose to rejoice in God's grace in every single moment? To thank him for what he has done. With gratitude to live your life in the gift of grace that we have been given. How would it change your outlook on things if this one little thing you did was, I choose to rejoice in God's grace no matter the circumstances? I want you to think about that this week. There's four last things I want to leave you with today. And we'll go through them quickly. But I want you to think through them this coming week and, and really ask yourself, am I living a life of joy? Or am I on a pleasure quest? Which one is it? The first one is this. Don't let distractions keep you from experiencing joy. And there are plenty of them out there. There are all sorts of things competing for your time and attention. The chaos and noise of life will interrupt your life, and it won't make an appointment. It's going to happen. Don't let those distractions keep you from experiencing joy. The second one is this. Don't settle for happiness. Don't live your life simply by a feeling or a pleasure quest. Choose joy instead. 
choose to rejoice in God's grace no matter what. The third one is this. Joy comes when we surrender to God. And so I need to ask you, has there been a time when you truly drew a line in the sand and said, I choose today to surrender my will and my way to God? Because I need to let you know the joy we're talking about today is a joy that only comes from above. And it is only a joy, as we'll see in our next fill-in here, that comes as a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy is not something you can manufacture or try to go find. It's not fake it till you make it. True joy comes from abiding in Christ and abiding in Christ comes from a heart that has fully surrendered its will and its way to him. And from that relationship, we can experience supernatural joy. It starts with a relationship. And like with any relationship, the key is trust. And what does that mean? It means that we trust that God is working no matter the circumstances. We trust that God is there in the good times, and we trust that God is there in the bad times. We trust that he is at work whether I'm feeling it or I'm not feeling it. We trust that God is bringing all things together for good for those who love him. And so like any other thing in the Bible, joy is a gift and you've got to protect it. You've got to choose to live it this week. You have to be diligent in wanting to rejoice in God's grace no matter the circumstances. Choose joy. Let's pray. Lord, may we be a people who choose to live in joy. If there's anyone today, though, who has not taken that first step to surrender their life and say, Lord, forgive me, I am a sinner. I want to be a child of God. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. All those things we talked about, I don't, no longer want to live in shame. I want to live a life of freedom and joy. May today be that day. May they come find me, Pastor Ben, someone. Now let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. If there's someone out there that says, you know what, Pastor Jason, you kind of stepped on my toes today. I'm Stephanie. Oh, the circumstances are different. Fill in the blanks a little bit different. But um, I don't know that I have joy in my life. Today, I hope that you just take a moment to rest in Jesus. To ask him where those areas are. Or what is it that's robbing you of your joy? What's keeping you from living that life? And last, Lord, for those who may be walking through difficult times, may they rest in the assurance that just like this series, God with us, that Jesus is with them in the good times and the bad. Help us to live beyond our feelings and live lives of joy. In your name. Jason for that word we want to take a moment and um, provide an opportunity for us to 
reflect on and experience some of the joy that we've got to experience as a church body in the recent months and through the course of this last year as we sort of reflect on what the Lord's been doing. And so we as a staff, we kind of got together and put our heads together and we kind of came up with some of our most joyful, fun moments that we've had as a church. And I just remember all the good times that we've had this last year. I think of, uh, you know, our Halloween trunk or treat last uh, month or a couple months ago, and just seeing all your guys' costumes. And I remember uh, just dressing up like a giant ridiculous cactus, but having serious pastoral conversations <laughs> and how ridiculous that was, but what a joy it was to be able to do both simultaneously. For our campus, I remember that time where we had that African church right on the other side of this wall. Do you remember that? And the music was so loud and Pastor Jason was trying to preach over it and we're all just like, we don't know what to do, but it was awesome and we loved it. And we powered through that service. As a staff, we got to celebrate uh, Jason's uh, 50th birthday party together, which was amazing. And uh, he, <laughs> yeah, we put him in a wheelchair, <laughs> which was hilarious. And I'm having a lot of joy uh, sharing that right now because he told me not to share how old he was. So that was really fun. I think about, uh, for me, even just personally in my life and how um, we had our, our baby David this year and just the outpouring of love from our church family with gifts and meals at our door and just, just the amount of joy I have with my people, with you all, and how much love was shared through that. But we don't want to stop here. We actually want to, we want to hear your moments of joy this year. And so we're going to put our phone number on the screen right now. Would you, would you right now take out your phone and maybe just text us the joyful moments that you had in your year this year? And it doesn't matter if it's your first time, by the way, welcome, or you've been here forever. What did you experience this, this year? And we would love to be able to share some of those with you, to rejoice with you as scripture says maybe even celebrate them next week, which we think would be really fun for our candle lighting service and things like that. But would you just text us what happened this year that, that brought you joy, especially maybe with your church family as well? So those are some small things that happened this year, but we also had some really, really big things happen this year that I think we have to celebrate. And so we're going to do something kind of strange. I'm actually going to invite you all to stand right where you're at, if you could, just stand Stand right now as we are about to go into the, we're about to go in this next section. And after I share each one of these, if you want, would you just maybe speak back to me? Maybe you just say, praise be to God, or maybe you just say, praise the Lord, or maybe you just shout back something as I read each one of these, as we celebrate what God has been doing, as we celebrate the fact that we did a Bible in a year and we had more people, I believe, in scripture this year in our church, maybe than ever before. Praise God for that, right? Praise be to God. When I think of the 15 baptisms that we had in our church this last year, let's give some praise to the Lord for that this morning. We had almost almost 60 people or over that in partnership this year saying, I'm gonna commit to this church. This is my church home, thick or thin. Praise God for that. We did a back to school bash and we gave out over 200 backpacks and 15 haircuts this year just to the community. Praise God for that. Two months ago in October, we had our highest non-December 
month of giving. We even beat last December's giving for tithes and offerings. Praise God for that, for your generosity for that. Amen. This year, this year, our small groups adopted for Christmas eight foster families in our communities. Praise God for that. Amazing. Last but not least, last but not least, a couple weeks ago, we announced that we thought we had raised about $6,700 for Jericho Outreach Ministries, which ministers to the women in the adult entertainment industry. $6,700. We were blown away by that number. We got our final numbers in. We calculated them all up. Church, Radiant Church, you all, through your generosity, you raised $10,645 for Jericho Outreach Ministries. Praise God for that. Amazing, amazing. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful this year for your generosity. I'm thankful that we have a generous church who gives to the Lord, who loves each other well. I am overflowing with joy for my church this morning.